0: subscribe how are you doing today? Pretty good, Cliff. How's it going with you? I'm pretty good, man. Things are all right. Um, The museum's humming along, which is great despite the rainy day. I spent four or five hours with a long-term witness yesterday um, up there uh, across the river from uh, Longview, Washington in that general area. Really interesting stuff is going on up there, Um, but that is nothing at all compared to what we have in store today for the podcast. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know how you feel, Bobes, but usually, um, it podcasts, I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be great. But today, I'm actually nervous. Oh, dude. I I,
1: I skipped all my appointments today. I, I, I didn't want to get into a fender better. Anything that happened to make me miss this, I was like, no way. Cause we got a giant in the field. His books, one of the top three uh, books on like relic hominids ever
0: written. The uh. yeah, well, his first book is one of the best books ever written. In that um, the images of the wild man in Southeast Asia, um, but he has a new book coming out in May, from what I understand, where he actually says pretty much straight out. And wait, well, of course, we'll get it from um, this gentleman in a minute. Um, pretty much straight out, like, hey, there might be another hominoid alive. And for someone um, with an, uh, degrees in anthropology to say that, well, that's sticking one's neck out pretty far, um, a little bit less so today, because there is a paradigm now for um, relict hominoids. But 20, 30 years ago, I mean, he would have been chased out of town with pitchforks and torches. So I am, we are out of our minds with excitement to welcome Dr. Gregory Forth to Bigfoot and Beyond. Um, Dr. Forth, thank you so much for coming on our, our uh, little podcast here.
2: You're welcome. Very welcome. When I saw in
0: my news feed, um, there was an article, I think it was a new scientist, that uh, an anthropologist is suggesting that there might be another hominoid species alive and well in Indonesia down in Flores. I immediately thought of your book, of course, and I started reading and I saw you were the author of the article. I was just over the moon. So thrilled that you've come out with another book um, on. It seems like it's going to mostly be focused on the Ibu Gogo. I don't know if that's true or not.
2: No, uh, not quite. This um, geographically, the, the focus of this book is uh, um, a region towards the eastern end of uh, Flores, a, a region very mountainous region towards the eastern uh, end of Flores, which is uh, inhabited by people called Leo um LIO is how it's uh, how it's usually spelt, and uh, the creature that uh, they uh, recognize as uh, an animal that um that lives in their uh, their forests especially their mountain forests is called uh, Lioha Uh now I glossed that as um, a- a- as ape man um I I use the term ape man because uh, local people who you know, some of whom claim to have seen these things, um, and many more who, who, who know something about them, uh, tend to describe them as having a, a monkey-like a monkey-like appearance, especially as regards the face. Um, well, there are no apes on, on flores, evolutionarily speaking. Of course, uh, apes preceded uh, uh, hominins, and uh, so, so, Ape Man seemed, you know, the best, it, it very much, I mean, it's not a direct uh, translation of the Leo name, but it's it very much in the spirit of that, uh, uh, of that name. So we're stuck with, uh, stuck with Ape Man. Uh, Obugogo, of course, lived towards the western end of, um, uh, of Flores, uh, and, and they are they are relevant as well. Although the the main difference, I guess, you could say, between uh, the Leo Ape Men, the, the Laihua, and uh, the Abugogo uh, of the Nage region, uh, further west, uh, is that the Abugogo are supposed to be extinct. I mean, all local people uh, you talk to um, say that they were, um, you know, they ceased to be. Uh, Two hundred, maybe three hundred uh, years ago, but but there's no point looking for one now. Um, they they say because they, they're all all gone.
0: The Lea Oa, um, on, in the eastern part of Flores, um, I remember in the previous book it was described as having an abducted helix, like a grasping big toe. Um, does that still stand, or or is because that would that would probably indicate something different than Homo floresiensis? I believe, right?
2: I, I, w- I would guess so. Um, I do. You're right. I do briefly mention like in uh, in in the uh, the general book the uh, images of the wild man, um, but I, I don't remember any such uh, toe. Maybe uh, maybe I use more layman terms in the book, or uh, more likely, I um, somebody else has perhaps uh, you know uh, um, given that description of, of something else. Well, here, I have it right here in front of me, because I
0: was per- uh, perusing the book earlier, and it's on page 68, this third paragraph. It says, one man characterized Leo's feet as like hands, capable of grasping.
2: Oh, I see what you're getting at. Yes. Um, thank you for translating for me. The, um, the, the, the point is that I have, I have, I've certainly heard that. In that instance, of course, I did say uh, one man, just one man. This is not a common, uh, not a not a common, uh, um, particularly common designation. In fact, most people don't really, you know, can't say for sure anything. Uh, can't say anything for sure about the uh, uh, about the feet. Um, yeah, there, there, there is. I guess more generally, you could say there is a notion that uh, uh, their feet, like other parts of them, are. Uh, uh, more monkey-like than uh, uh, in um, physically physically modern uh, physically modern humans. The work done on Homo floresiensis so far seems to indicate
0: that Homo floresiensis has a very flexible foot, um, probably probably no arch, and probably a lot of flexibility in the mid tarsal joint in that area. Um, so I-, I could see how a brief observation of a f- even if you happen to notice the foot, you would probably notice it's a lot more mobile. Than say a Homo sapiens foot.
2: Yes, I, I, I mean I think you're right with regard to the analysis analysis of uh, Homo floresiensis um that uh, I um, I will say you know among eyewitness reports that there wasn't anything that that uh, you know pointed uh, specifically in that uh, that direction but I, I do uh, in the book I, I do uh, go into some detail about what uh, people told me about the, the ape men feet um, and uh, that the, they, Indicated first of all that they walked in a rather uh, peculiar uh, manner, something approaching uh, what's called the uh, the groucho walk, if you know how that uh, goes.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, uh, and, and that I mean reconstructions of Homo floresiensis point uh, in that direction as well. Also, uh, floresiensis feet, of course, were uh, relatively um, relatively large uh you know given the 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 uh the the short legs and, and the overall uh small size of the um uh, of the body um so yeah there are quite a number of things like that 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 fit uh fit quite well but as a statement uh, i'm saying they have feet like monkeys or or feet just like ham's um i i didn't hear that uh very often and in my recollection i i never heard it from uh um, an eyewitness, but you can check in the book when you read it, of course. No, of course.
0: Of course. I've already pre-ordered it, actually. <laughs> I cannot wait to get my, my eyes on it. So I imagine a lot of our, our, our listeners are unaware because, you know, um, images of the, of the wild men at Southeast Asia is a very academic book in a lot of ways. Um, and, and, you know, it takes a special kind of person interested in Bigfoot to, to read the academic stuff. Most of the time, it's a little bit more accessible um, to the general public. Um, so can you give our listeners a little bit of background? Uh, I know most of your work has been in cultural anthropology, at least I think it has, on the island of Flores, and, but you've been to all the islands in Indonesia. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your, your your anthropological background, please.
2: Well, what you've just said is, is generally accurate. I um, decided to... Uh uh, I decided to study anthropology university way back uh, towards the end of the nineteen sixties, as a matter of fact. So that puts a, a kind of a date uh, on me. Anyway, I was quite successful as a, an undergraduate, and I uh, got a place. Uh, that was in Canada, by the way, uh, at Simon Fraser University, and uh, in, in British Columbia and um, Sasquatch Territory, as a matter of fact. Um, After that, I I, I got a place uh, at Oxford University uh, in England uh, to do uh, um, graduate work. And uh, I, uh, for various reasons, which are particularly interesting, um, I decided with my supervisor at the time that I should uh, um, prepare for uh, graduate field work uh, on the island of Sumba. Sumba is, um, very close to Flores, actually, quite close, well, due south, also in, uh, in eastern, uh, Indonesia. Um, while I was on Flores, as a matter of fact, I, I did hear, uh, stories about, uh, hairy hominoids, but, but these were quite uh, different from what I subsequently encountered on, uh, um, on, on Flores, uh, itself. And for one thing, the, uh, the Sumbanese characters were, were mostly the topic of uh, uh, of, of myths, but um, anyway, to move along, I, I um, yeah, so I, I, I finished my doctorate my phd in uh, 1980 and and i got a, a position with the um british academy at because uh, i was still in england at the time uh the british academy with one of their institutes in in uh, um as it was in, in southeast asia that was in in singapore and one of the um one of the uh, requirements for me as Deputy director of, of that institute was to uh, start a, a, a new piece of field work. Well, I, I didn't uh, so I didn't go back to Sumba, but I, I uh, didn't go very far away. I, for various reasons, I'd always been fascinated by Flores uh, Flores Island, uh, and there was one definite region uh, part of that island, uh, the one called Nage, which. Um, uh, you know, nobody published anything uh, to speak of about this uh, area before, so I thought, right, you know, uh, this this will be uh, the place to go and fill in some gaps. Well, it was very. I arrived uh, in, uh, in 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 Naga country in 1984. That was my first, you know, uh, full uh, field season there, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't long before I got to talking to my hosts. Um, members of, of the Nage, uh, Nage tribe, as some people call it, although it's not terribly accurate. And um, somehow the topic got on to, you know, uh, 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 hominoids, um, creatures that, that aren't human but they, they look a lot like them. And typically they're naked, of course, they're hairier and, and all that sort of thing. And that's when I, uh, that's when I first heard about the Obugogo, and, um, yeah, no, certainly, Abugogo, uh, uh, sounded rather more naturalistically described than, uh, creatures I, I'd heard about previously on, uh, on Sumba and, uh, and elsewhere. I, um, uh, yeah, I was going to say that at this time, uh, that sort of topic was by no means the main focus of my field research. In fact, uh, as much as anything, I was, uh, interested in, um, uh, mapping, uh, um, Indigenous social organisation and seeing how that you know compared with uh, what had been reported from elsewhere in eastern Indonesia. I was, however, also uh, interested in um, I- I- in the indigenous uh, uh, religion, cosmology, um, all, all that uh, sort of thing. Which um, I mean, when I first arrived, I was told, "Well, there ain't none no more," because. Uh, uh, in the specific region I was working in, specific part of of, uh, of Nagay, um, just about everybody had uh, become converted to uh, Catholicism. Oh, uh, you know, some twenty years or more uh, previously in in the nineteen sixties. But um, I, I thought, you know, there has to be some kind of uh, uh, memory, at least, uh, of uh, local spiritual beings and how one's supposed to uh, uh, deal with them and all, all the rest. And um, indeed, as I as I pushed the point a bit, uh, more and more came out, and it uh, it um, this is kind of a, a, di- a digression on hominoids, but uh, it uh, it turned out that indeed the indigenous religion was still uh, um, still alive and reasonably well, and coexisting with uh, Catholicism.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of times uh, the, the missionaries come in and they they take elements of the previous religion and kind of show it to the people they're trying to convert to make the transition easier
2: on them, I guess, or something. I mean, I think they need to be a bit careful there. Uh, um, I, I mean, they, they have to somehow get across the the differences um, uh, as well. And uh, among missionaries themselves, there are. Uh, Different opinions about the, the validity uh, of that uh, um, of that of that approach, but I mean one one thing I found out eventually in that context was that um, while there are these various uh, categories of uh, spirits, uh, um, earth spirits, forest spirits, and so on um in in the Nage region uh, according to local people the abugogo uh, um were, were not were not one of these they, they, they were not uh, they were not supernatural they they you know they were visible uh, they uh, reproduced they could be killed all, all these uh, sorts of things which, which a natural creature uh, can uh, can do um and and indeed that same sort of distinction i discovered among uh the, um, the the Leo people um, much more uh, much more recently, um, and uh, well, I should mention Leo and, and, and Nage are somewhat related, uh, um, have similar cultures and uh, their uh, their languages are uh, related as well. So, so that uh, resemblance isn't isn't uh, surprising. So one that seems
0: like one of the main differences between the eastern and western populations of humans, the Nage and, and the Leo, was that the Nage um, claimed that, like, oh yeah, the Ebogogos, we, we killed them all off. They, we put them in that cave. We burn them out. They're dead. They're gone. Um, and whereas on the other part of the island, the Leo people say that, no, no, they're still here. They're they're walking around. We see them sometime.
2: Yeah, although oh, very, very rare, they're, they're considered to be very rare creatures. Yeah.
0: Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Sonidos of our music. Sonidos of our voices. Sonidos of our
2: stories.
1: Listen to the sounds and voices of Latin music and culture with Pandora stations like RMX, La Vida en Pop, El Pulso en Satellites and podcasts like Ruby Rosa and more. From music to stories, all that we are is in the sonidos of our culture. Listen now on Pandora. What's the most recent, uh, I would just, uh, account that you deem credible?
2: The, the most recent encounter? Um, well, I have a report from 2017, uh, mainly from uh, a, a woman, a, a woman in her... Uh, 40s I guess she is now um, which um, it was very detailed did this uh, she was supposed to have seen this uh, this being uh, in 2017 um, and in fact uh, I, when I spoke to her it was it was just weeks after uh, the incident uh, took uh, took place. Um, her husband at the time was, um, at home or in in a field hut, uh, a garden hut, uh, taking care of, of some business while she was on the other side of a field near a forest, a forest stream, uh, from where this, uh, this, uh, hominoid, uh, uh, emerged in, in the late, uh, late afternoon um the way she described it was, was uh, ra- rather different from most other uh, most other uh, descriptions uh, um and for that reason and one or two others i I, uh, I didn't list it in the book as you know the best kind of uh, case even though uh, even though it was uh, as i said the most uh, the most uh, recent um th- this being was quite short about 60 centimeters, if you can translate that um and um she described it also she said it wasn't particularly hairy which is not a problem um but uh she she spoke of it uh, as having a um a sort of white whitish uh whitish area uh on its uh on its chest, um, which, again, is not uh, typical. These things are described as being dark-skinned, much like uh, um, local uh, humans uh, themselves. Um, And there are one or two other reports about uh, uh, something white (laughs) on the body but, but this, this is most, most definite uh, uh, about this. There was also a disagreement be- between her and uh, her husband. She wanted to claim that she was the only one who saw it, and that her, uh, her husband was too scared to come out of the hat, which <laughs> 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 She was quite a bold woman. She was outgoing, certainly by Leo's standards. And, um she well, he insisted that he had seen it from the hut, although not nearly as closely as uh, and as well as, uh, uh, as 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 she'd seen it. Um, uh, in in the end, she relented and and uh, and said, "Oh yes, well, he did uh, he did see it too, but I saw it better and I saw it first, and uh, uh, and so on." But but then, in the following year, twenty eighteen, they, they um. This couple—they claimed they'd seen it again, which which started to make me wonder a bit. But uh, I, I didn't definitely, uh, definitely couldn't, didn't definitely discount it. Um, so that's that—that's uh, the most recent. But as I said, not not the best example of uh, a sighting. When did that
1: one uh per- person find the their corpse or when they claimed they found a dead one?
2: Yeah, well, well there were two people who uh, observed said they observed. Uh, uh, corpses or, or carcasses, if you uh, <laughs> prefer. It's a, it's a bit philosophical, of course, as to whether it's uh, some kind of human or, or something else. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, both those reports uh, by, by two quite different individuals are, are in uh, my Chapter 7, where, where I discuss at, at length what I call three, you know, particularly remarkable um, or compelling uh uh, encounters the um one of them was from an elderly guy who um i met back in 2011 that's when i first ho- heard his story uh and i was able to interview him again in 2014 and 20 2015 um in 2015 i think he was getting a bit past it and uh, indeed I, I i according my uh, news he um he died um not long after that probably in, in twenty sixteen um but he um he, he all, all the stories in that chapter by the way um chapter seven uh include uh, more than one simultaneous eyewitness, which was uh, another mark in their uh, another mark in their favour. Uh anybody anyway, the old man uh, who I, I give him the name Volo, um he had been uh, working uh on um, road and bridge construction. Um he wasn't a Leo, by the way, he was from a, a neighbouring uh a neighboring area called uh, Um But anyway, being a member of a work crew, uh, they were traveling through, well, they're traveling on a stretch of road, which is probably the highest point on the main highway that, that goes from one end of Flores Island to uh, the other, um, in rather cloudy conditions. This was during the rainy season. They're going through uh, through jungle. Uh, they um, Something ran in front of the truck. Now, um, Volo himself was in the back of the truck standing up, so he's looking over the cab. He reckons he got a better uh, sight of this, uh, uh, of this creature than uh, than you know, did anybody else. Uh, anyway, the, the driver himself uh, couldn't stop in time. The road, by the way, in, in well throughout Flores, the roads are uh, you, you you'll you'll never find much more than uh, you know maybe uh, half a kilometre straight road going through that part of uh, Leo territory. So very windy. Turning a corner, this thing uh, came down from a bank on the left and. And the truck, uh, the truck went uh, went into it. So um, I, um, I, I I was able to uh, learn uh, not just about Volu and his experience, but about uh, um, the other people involved. Uh, unfortunately, the driver and, and, and other members of the crew uh, had all passed on, uh, so far as anybody knew. Um, by this time and Volo couldn't uh, he knew the driver and he knew the driver's name and all the rest of it but uh, these other uh, workmates he he had uh, you know very little uh, memory of those i tried to trace people down but i was uh, i was uh, unsuccessful so uh, we're kind of stuck with with Volo Volo but um, I- indeed uh, he um you know he he spoke about the incident as it involved uh, uh, other people as well and it was uh, it was quite uh, credible they um the driver's first inclination was that that he should bury the creature now um to understand this you we'd have to talk quite a bit about uh, local culture and their, their views of humans versus animals and all the rest of it uh, so, so I won't go there so that's all in the book. But anyway, um, he he couldn't bury it because, uh, well, mainly because they were due to arrive in, um, they're up in the mountains at this time, they're due to arrive uh, before nightfall in the coastal town of Ende. So um, they decided, the driver decided to uh, continue on. Uh, and, uh, on the following day when he was due to come back that way to, to, uh, take care of the, uh, the body then, uh, in the meantime, he, he wrapped it in an old, uh, an old shirt. Now, all this took place, uh, as I think I said, in the early 1970s. So we're, we're, we're going back a ways, uh, now, um, you know, like about, we're talking about 50, uh. Fifty years, but uh, I mean, the the story was uh, compelling in in various respects. For one thing, uh, the main eyewitness, uh, my main eyewitness, Volo, uh, was, as I said, from the the Endeay region, and uh, he'd never heard of a lhoar before. He he wasn't familiar with the uh, the creature, Um, and uh, but but the driver, who was a Leo man, said straight away, uh, "This is a lhoar." Uh, and apparently, other uh, members of the crew uh, uh, agreed with him, al- although uh, they apparently, you know, weren't as familiar with laihoa and, and all the um, uh, all the lore um, surrounding these creatures uh, as was um, as was the the driver. Yeah, uh, you know, I I questioned this guy over uh, uh, well during three different uh, uh, field seasons, and, and what I was getting wasn't always the same, but uh, but by no means, but it, it was, you know, it sounded to all intents and purposes like like one of these uh, creatures in terms of size, um, facial appearance, uh, and Peter um, bipedality. By the way, what is the general description of these? Is there a consensus?
0: Um, what is the general consensus of a size and and all that sort of stuff of this particular flavor, the Leoa?
2: Yeah, they, I mean they they, they vary uh, somewhat as, as one should expect, um, especially between eyewitnesses and non eyewitnesses. Although there's not such a distinction between those uh, two groups um, to you know cause uh, cause cause alarm. They are, um, well, I might briefly say they look very much like Homo floresiensis. And um, they're, they're in Chapter 10, I, I, uh, I, I cite uh, Mike Morwood, um, uh, an Australian member of the uh, discovery team of uh, Homo floresiensis, who, uh, who said of the Abugogo, Gogo, as a matter of fact, uh, which he'd read about in, in, uh, in a book of mine. And um, he said, uh, uh, he, talking about the Abugogo, he said, these fit Floresiensis to a T. Um, anyway, I, I, uh, I follow up uh, that, that quotation with a remark that uh, actually what fits Floresiensis to a T is not the Abugogo, but these, uh, if anything even smaller, the Laihoa. And how big are they? How big are these things supposed to be? You know, most estimates go from, uh, I mean, the, the the tallest would be, and I have a qualification on that in a, a moment, um, in, in terms of eyewitness sightings, the tallest would be about uh, uh, 1.1, 1. 1, maybe getting on for 1.2 meters. So we're talking about somewhere between three and four feet there. Um, a, a lot of people, though, uh, talk about them as being smaller. A lot of people just say a meter, um, you know, which is is becoming a kind of conventional way of uh, describing their height. But uh, you know, going down, you get eighty centimeters. Uh, Uh, 50 centimeters, uh, 60 centimeters. The average, of course, is much higher than that. It's around around, uh, um, a meter. These people are pretty clever. Even people who haven't gone to school are pretty uh, clever with the metric system. By the way, and and I've uh, yeah tested them, and uh, yeah, you know, I mean they're not always accurate by any means, and of course they, we're dealing with memory as well. Um, uh, so um, but 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 anyway, yeah, that that would be I, uh, you know, I, I'm confident that we'd be talking around a, a meter, certainly uh, very much smaller than um than a modern uh, modern human being, e- even the Leo, Leo themselves, although they are small by uh, global standards. They stand much uh, taller than uh, than uh, a lie. Talking about memory, by the way, is interesting. It was a question I considered for a while and uh, uh, made a, uh, a bit of an investigation into uh, uh, human memory. Um, it seems that something that looks human but not human, if you will, somewhere in between, something uh, ambiguous and, uh, and anonymous like that would would, uh, um, would, would stick in or should stick in, in the memory for quite a long time. And I uh, I, I, I realized that that, that, that point was, was relevant to many sighting uh, reports that uh, I had received, you know, from like 10 years ago. Uh, Twenty years ago. Um, anyway, um, like, uh, most people say that they uh, okay, so they, they have body hair. This would be particularly noticeable, of course, uh, since that they, they you know they don't have clothes. Um, mm-hmm. But they're certainly hairier than, than uh, uh, local local people. Their they head hair, though, isn't isn't that long. Uh, it's not not much longer uh, than um, they say than the um, the body hair. And uh, some people say that that um, you know that there's no uh, uh, not not much distinction at all between head and body. So it's continuous uh, two sorts of hair are, are continuous, not always the um, the same color. Um, by the way, so you don't see uh, somebody with black body hair or a, a specimen with black body hair and uh, you know red to head hair, to hair or. Uh, or, or anything like that. That the hair is, is generally dark, although it can be, um, lighter, much lighter. It can be kind of gray, silvery. Um, they identify those as the old specimens, They're not, uh, not, 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 uh, not unreasonably. What kind of build do they have? Are they, are they let's say, robust versus
0: gracile, like in the Australopithecines? Like, you know, Sasquatches, for example, are uniformly or generally described as very robust, thick animals. Um, so what about these, the, the Lua Ho? Are, they, are, they more th- are they thin or are they on the thicker side of things?
2: You know, I think uh, in terms of the skeleton of Floresiensis, um, to speak about fluorescences for a minute, uh, they are interpreted as generally generally robust, um, but 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 how that um, kind of translates into uh, flesh is, is perhaps a, a bit uh, a bit unclear. I, I mean, something I um, when I was finishing the book, something I came across in a, a book by uh, Daniel Lieberman, who, whose name you, you're probably familiar with. A biological anthropologist. I mean, he was talking about um, uh, Homo erectus, and uh, who is also robust, of course. And um, I might just mention there that that, that Paraseensis, uh, other other uh, primitive hominins found on uh, Flores in fossil form, um, are, are yeah, you know, according to one view at least, I reckon, to be related to erectus. Anyway, to get on with uh, with Homo erectus. Um, Lieberman says that they probably would have been skinny because of, you know, dietary factors. They they wouldn't, you 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 wouldn't get a fat one or or one that was particularly. um, I can't remember his exact words, but the impression I, I came away with is, is that uh, you know the, the creature he was describing would uh, would appear quite gaunt. And indeed, uh, descriptions of various sorts of uh, of the ape men uh, do suggest uh, something that uh, is rather skinny or, or, or gaunt. Um, at the same time, uh, you know there are other suggestions that they are uh, more more robust than you know gaunt would. Uh, suggest at uh, any rate so uh, i uh, if i look at uh, informant statements leo statements um you know that there isn't really a, a clear uh, uh, a clear picture also of course if you're just talking about um if you're just talking about eyewitness accounts uh, uh generally speaking we're talking about one person who's seen one of these at, at one time and that that's it um, you, you could imagine that there, there would be some difference in as regards uh, gender, sex, uh, or, or age, or, or what have you. You would imagine there would be some internal um, apparent difference.
0: Yeah, there would be a lot of genetic diversity, I think, within individuals within a species. Of course.
2: Well, uh, it would depend. But what do what you mean by, by a lot of genetic diversity? But uh, which comes comes. Uh, up against you know questions of, of population size and density and all that uh, that that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, anyway, this is an issue I discuss in in uh, in the book. It's difficult to generalize. Is, is my point? I never never heard one that uh, could be described as fat, or was described as fat. Have they ever described it as being exceptionally athletic, like
1: fast for their size or strong, or like from the eyewitnesses.
2: Yes, yeah, some people mention that. Um, with regard to eyewitnesses, there are um, well. I'm trying to think of how many. I, not not many describe seeing the things moving quickly. I, I mean, the one the one I, I can uh, uh, recall offhand, or the one report I can recall, um, uh, was was at night, so not a, a great time to see something. Um, and in other respects as well, was a bit. Uh, a bit uh, uh, unreliable so it wasn't my uh, my most uh, credible uh, account but uh, yeah generally speaking that they, they um well there's two things here that they are uh, uh, described as being able to to move fast not not just running on uh, you know on on the flat but but moving up inclines as well um uh, you know scrambling up banks which, which they'd to be quite good at doing in a place like flores which is very uh, very uh, very mountainous um uh, accidented so um th- there are descriptions of uh, um descriptions of uh, um the the ape men doing that also their feet in so far as as the feet uh, correspond feet and way of walking correspond uh, somewhat to what's been described as uh, 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 for uh, what's been described, I should say, for uh, floresiensis, um, that, 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 would, that would fit with an ability to move um, quickly and, and efficiently uh, up uh, inclines, or also to, to, to climb, climb trees, which, which most, uh, most hominins, even humans, as a matter of fact, are, are quite good at. So the people that have seen them, uh,
1: they must not be that afraid of people. Then I guess if they're just seen strolling or casually walking away, is that the most uh, witnesses report?
2: Well, they do. Uh, they they tend to. Uh, they might first be seen, you know, moving slowly. But uh, if and when they become uh, uh, aware of a human presence, a presence, they'll uh, uh, they'll move out of the way. They, they you know go into the uh, bush most most, uh, most likely. Um, but um, yeah, no, I mean I can say that there are descriptions of these things, uh, if not eyewitness reports and second-hand reports or what have you, of, of the things uh, moving away. They they are generally um, they're generally described as being uh, uh, afraid of human beings, and and, and uh, human beings are uh, they say equally afraid of them. So. You know they they don't uh, stick in one another's company for terribly long is the the general point. Have you
0: have they been observed carrying things that might be uh, um, interpreted as
2: tools? Very good question. I, um, I the general view among Leo eyewitnesses or not is that uh, that they, they they don't have any kind of culture if you no no, no uh, material culture that they don't. Uh, Uh, Have or employ tools or or, uh, weapons. They sometimes described as throwing stones. In fact, two eyewitness witness reports uh, mention uh, uh, mention that. But any any one of them carrying a stick or you know a club or anything like that. uh, um, No, I I have I have no such uh, such accounts.
0: I did read those articles uh,
2: two years ago, three
0: years ago, about uh, finding mysterious tools on Sulawesi, um, which is of course in, in the, the general area. Um, I was curious if, you, if there's any connection between those the, the two the Sulawesi hominoids that made these tools that we don't know who did it and and uh, down, what's going on down in Flores.
2: Yeah, well, I have a few things to say about that. I, I first of all, if you talk about stone tools, which uh, to an amateur eye um, can look like just sharp bits of rock, right? Um, The archaeological record for um, Floresiensis, let's talk about uh, them again, Um, it's, uh, I I mean, there are dates of tools and and dates of the fossils which seem to overlap, but but they can't uh, definitely be, uh, um, the, the Floresiensis can't definitely be linked with the tools, uh, for one thing, you you have uh, not much change over over a long period of time on Flores of uh, of tool tool making uh, traditions. So so you can't uh, say anywhere that oh you know this was one group uh, and this, these are the distinctive tools, and this is another group, another species for that matter, and their distinctive uh, tools. So that uh, I, I mean the main place for well. In fact, uh, this can't be overemphasized, uh, um, threesiensis are known from only a single site, which, you know, so that people say, oh, well, they're extinct. You know, uh, we don't have dates for them past, you know, 50,000 years ago or whenever it was. Well, that's true of that site, but, uh, you know, obviously um, uh, this this species, uh, which did survive on flores for hundreds of years, uh, thousands of years well certainly tens of thousands maybe into the hundreds of thousands of years depending on on how you distinguish uh, species um, was a bit of a survivor so uh, there's no reason to believe they could ever possibly have, have lived in just uh, lived in, and become extinct in, in just one uh, one cave
0: nor is there a reason to think that that was the the last of them. Like the the chances of the very last individual, the species being found as a fossil is ridiculously uh, is ridiculous. Um, they certainly persisted for beyond that fifty thousand year mark, even in that area.
2: I suppose it's somehow possible that those are the most recent uh, living individuals, um, but it's you know it, it's not uh, it, it, it's not that likely.
0: Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Because there's a there's a tradition of um, hairy hominoids on Sulawesi as well.
2: I yes, you are uh, you are right in various parts of uh, um, Sulawesi. But uh, I should also say that there there is. Uh, has been a, a theory an interpretation that um, Floresiensis got to Flores from from Sulawesi rather than coming uh, from the west to Flores uh, for, from uh, neighbouring islands like uh, like, like uh, um, so, so there's there's a, a kind of uh, a kind of connection there as well. But I don't think that the studies, ethnographic, um, anthropological, or otherwise, have been done of, uh, you know, um, Sulawesi hominids as have been done of uh, of the um, of the hominids hominoids, I should say, um, on uh, mystery hominoids on uh, on Flores, and particularly, of course, the Leo uh, the Leo ape men.
0: Well, I think a lot of the focus on Flores has been, of course, because of Homo floresiensis, um, which would bring about my next question. Um, do you think uh, that more work uh, either is being done, or I mean, maybe it's not an opinion of obviously, is more work being done on this sort of ethnographic study um, in light of the Homo luzonensis discovery in the
2: Philippines? Yeah, I... I... Difficult to 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 answer that one. I, I will say, kind of going back a bit. I will say that um, uh, with regard to uh, mystery hominoids like like the uh, Eight um, man and Abu on on um on Flores, that that I I was convinced. I guess you could say, or well, I didn't have any great stake in it. I mean, my my. Natural or social inclination uh, as a cultural anthropologist uh, was to explain things like Abugogo as, as as imaginary. Um, although I, yeah, there's a bit of a qualification to that. But then uh, when I heard about Homo uh, being discovered in in Liangbo in in, in the western part of uh, far western part of uh, uh, Flores, I uh, was I was quite gobsmacked actually by that as were a lot of people, and and I, I started to think, well, now hang on just a minute, you know what exactly did these things uh, look like uh, supposedly, and and uh, and so on, and that's when I started to entertain seriously that the possibility that um, uh, yeah, these local local stories, local legends, in some cases uh, reflected uh, human experience of, of a living uh, a living animal, a living species, uh, and that this uh, living species was a, a hominin, like um, Homo floresiensis and, and the australopithecines, and uh, uh, and so on. But um, talking about uh, sort of. Um, um taking up uh, research, continuing a research where um, um, there are um, ethnographically well attested cases of uh, uh, of human-like uh, beings uh, you know inhabiting local areas. I think that was your question, wasn't it? Uh-
0: more or less, I mean, I, I think a broader, maybe I, I was talking about specifically Luzonensis, but I don't think there's a need to be specific. I think in general, um, what maybe maybe a better, more broad question would be: What, uh, what being a cultural anthropologist, what role do you think um, um, folklore and mythology and local stories and whatnot have um, in in reflecting the, the the native fauna of an area, and, and specifically, um, what does that have to do, or how does that pertain to um, relict hominoids, you know, mystery hominoids?
2: good question, quite a lot uh, to it. I, I will say, um, uh, first of all, that um, ethnographic reports, uh, ethnographic interpretations such as, as mine, uh, tend uh, not to be followed up by um, biological scientists, or paleoanthropologists, or, or uh, uh, well, let's just leave it uh, with biological uh, sciences because we're talking about the possibility of some, some organism still being alive. Um, yeah, and indeed, uh, despite the uh, individual uh, inclinations of, of academic scientists uh, and researchers, um, there there would be institutional problems standing in the way of uh, somebody uh, saying, uh, look, you know, there's this guy forth who has uh, uh, written this <laughs> incredible book um, a- about uh, uh, local people's uh, uh, views, detailed descriptions of, um, you know, th- th- this animal. They call it an animal, um, which corresponds very closely to Homo floresiensis, which, you know, also uh, at one time at least uh, inhabited the same uh, uh, the same island. It, it simply, it simply wouldn't fly. Although, uh, I say, <laughs> nothing like that has happened uh, has happened so far. Um, you know, some biological scientists, some of my acquaintance anyway, are very open minded, but 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 some are not. Uh, and and there is a, a has been for a long time an inbuilt tendency to say, oh, one of these things are uh, just folklore, whatever that means. Uh, or, or, they're, you know, that, they're, they're mythical. Um, in other words, they're entirely imaginary and you know, people are not necessarily lying to you, but, uh, that they, um, you, you know they're talking about something which is more like a a forest spirit than uh, than an animal but uh, talking about um, you know culture more generally um yeah i mean a concern of mine uh, for a long time on flores not just among leo but well more among nage and, and other people actually is to uh, is to investigate what they know about uh, local animals of, of 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 all sorts and um I, I, well, I, their knowledge is, is impressive and, and I find that most of it, uh, most of it is, uh, it comprises um, naturalistic descriptions uh, of empirical features and and, and behaviors of of species which are, you know, otherwise uh, recognized or recognized by academic zoologists uh, as inhabiting uh, inhabiting the uh, island. Uh, Of course, their their knowledge is... uh, is broader um, than the the empirical facts, um, and they, they know uh, um, a lot, of course, about the the practical uses of uh, of local animals and animal products. Um, they um, they they have a symbolism of uh, of animals, uh, whereby animals that are uh, otherwise represented. Uh, You know, like long-tailed macaques, and and which (laughs) are indeed long-tailed macaques, um, will also uh, figure in um, uh, beliefs which which don't uh, don't don't stand the test of uh, uh, of of, of, uh, academic zoology. uh, Certainly, Um, now, um, for example, in Leo, there are two creatures um, that people uh, say they've seen seen very rarely um and which gave him a hell of a fright in in both uh in both instances one is um a kind of freshwater turtle and I, I i use this case in the book as a comparison a freshwater turtle which uh, hasn't been uh documented by by scientists as, as residing on uh, uh on flores um uh, But um, hydrological surveys, for example, indicate there's no good reason why it shouldn't be there because it's on other islands around and about, right? so this is a crooked of sorts uh but but uh, you know not not uh, it's not in the same league as, as the uh, loch ness loch ness monster anyway from leo and from other regions as well further to the east um i i've i've found people who who have seen these and and i at particular times again they they're probably probably extinct by now because you know they they uh, they don't seem to be seen very much uh any longer, um, but there's good evidence for them, you know, being on the island. Local people recognise it. At the same time, um, because of their, their rarity, um, uh, I'm speaking about the turtles now. There's freshwater turtles, because of their rarity, and because only certain people have seen them, that they're, they're 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 reckoned to be, they are represented as being more supernatural than uh, natural, Uh, and for that reason they are fearful because they are are believed by people in the know to be linked with uh, forest spirits, which are invisible beings that can... uh, can do um, do people uh, can do people harm. Um, before I forget, the other um, the other creature locally reported by just a few people um, is even more spectacular. This is something called the coconut crab. Um, Burgus latro is is the uh, the Latin name, uh, and these are actually the world's largest. Um, Uh, land crustacean so like pincher to pincher we're talking about a width of of, uh, about a meter which is far bigger than any um, you know any any crabs uh, um, terrestrial or uh, aquatic that uh, the Leo are uh, familiar with and they they see this as a supernatural manifestation whenever somebody comes across one and which can be dangerous
1: they seem like it though, because they're claw. I've, I've messed around with those things. Their claws, they're the most powerful claws in, in the world. I mean, they're so they can crack coconuts open, raw coconuts.
2: Uh, there's been some controversy over that, but yeah, they are pretty. <laughs> they're pretty big, and, and those claws are uh, are pretty uh, pretty effective. I should uh, I should say they. Um, again, they, they are um, they are known uh academically, they are known from uh, other parts of Indonesia. And in terms of existing uh, currents and the way they reproduce and so on, there's no reason why they shouldn't occasionally, not every year, but uh, uh, occasionally uh, show up uh, and thrive and continue to grow and all the rest on uh, on flores or, or in one or two uh, parts of um of flora so so these things have a supernatural uh, aspect certainly they're connected with forest spirits as i i said um but but the descriptions of them uh, are, are thoroughly naturalistic and, and and they fit very well with known uh, um known spe- species we know um kuara in the case of the um the turtle and as i said the coconut crab uh, uh, in the case of uh, Bergerlatris, the the, uh, the, the um, giant crabs. Is there any reason to think that um, uh, the
0: Homo floresiensis and Homo luzonensis from the islands to the north? Um, I, I know that they're different species. There's some different. There's some differentiation between. Them. I don't know what. I don't know what it is because so far I haven't read anything. I haven't read very much at least about Homo luzonensis. I haven't found a study or anything to really get into. Um, Maybe you can address, are you aware of the differences between those two species and why they weren't lumped into one?
2: Good question. I mean, often uh, taxonomic categories, taxonomic labels are are provisional. You know, these things, in fact, they do change um, very, uh, quite regularly. Um, I I think, well, I I think the evidence for, uh, well, now, since there's the geological redating, I guess the the, uh, the most recent uh, dates for Floresiensis are, are uh, further back in time, um, 50,000, 60,000 years ago, whereas uh, if my memory serves me correctly, I could check my own book, but it's not, <laughs> not handy to do this at, uh, at present. Um, I, I, I think they are, are more recent, aren't they? Um, uh, Luzonensis, or maybe not. Maybe, maybe well. It just leave dates out of it. I, I think they're somewhat bigger, and, and, and the the evidence uh, for Luzier, Luzonensis is uh, is you know not as not as rich as uh, as as, Floresiensis. Um, as regards specific uh, physical osteological etc. differences between the two. I I can't co- I, I can't comment uh, offhand. Um, but there's also, of course, the Red Deer Cave people in, in China, which is uh, both Luzon, Texas, and uh, um, the Red Deer uh, uh, Cave hominins. They, they, they um, were unearthed after. After Florisianses, and they, but they, 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 added also, of course, to the same trend, uh, what seemed to be becoming a trend in in uh, paleontological thought, uh, and that was that the, um, you know, the, the 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 human or hominin family tree is is far bushier than than uh, was previously supposed. I mean, when I was an undergraduate decades ago, the view. Uh, basically it was that you had these things called australopithecines they um you know they they, they uh, evolved in, into homo by way of uh, homo habilis which may be a, an australopithecine itself but uh, yeah anyway eventually you got uh, uh, homo um, homo erectus augustaire and sometimes called and the, as it's called now uh as, as pertains to africa anyway so you got uh erectus and then you know you had heidelbergensis and, and neanderthals and and then finally humans that these things succeeded one another in, in a, a single line you know? like yeah so you, you didn't have much if any overlap but but now that uh, i mean certainly going back millions of years uh, to the appearance of of the first uh, hominins and the first uh, the first uh, species of uh, uh, homo as well as in more recent times you you see that uh um, our ancestors were were uh, just one of of a number of uh, hominids uh, knocking about places like um like Africa, but but now also we're increasingly uh, learning um, Asia as well, where you had uh, um, discovery of, of uh, the, the uh, also somewhat mysterious Denisovan uh, hominids. Yeah, and and it was once thought that Neanderthals, of course, were uh, exclusive to Europe, but but it seems they've you know they're they, in a few other places. Still mainly European, but. Uh,
0: yeah, Western Asia as well. Apparently, to some degree. Now, w- with the proliferation, uh, I guess that maybe that's not the right word. With the uh, increasing number of members into the genus Homo, and also Australopithecines, uh, the hominins in general, um, and and with so many of them persisting into uh, almost modern times, really, um, and 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 I would I would strongly argue into modern times um, also. Uh, whether it's we're talking the pagodas or Sasquatches or any number of things. Um, Certainly the, the attitude amongst academics, um, particularly the younger academics must be changing to some degree, a little bit more open-minded for things like uh, for what you're, you're, you're suggesting that there actually are species, at least one. And if there's one, there's probably more than one species of hominin or hominoid still walking around. Um, Do you see that in the academic world?
2: It's hard to say. I mean, I I know uh, um, I've come across uh, a number of um, paleoanthropologists, uh, uh, biologists and so on. Who are, are sympathetic, very sympathetic to uh, uh, my my research. Um, in other words, they, they think it's you know it it has value and and uh, that it is relevant to their own um, paleontological interests uh, as well. Um, but typically, that is uh, that 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 um, understanding of things is is separated from from their own academic uh there own academic work and, and i think you probably know from the case of uh jeff meldrum that uh uh you know on, on sasquatch that that uh <laughs> things can be very uh, very tough uh for for somebody who who actively researches uh as a as a physical anthropologist a paleoanthropologist uh in the way that uh, that that he does so um but you you're talking about younger peop people being more open minded. Well yeah, well just well just with the new discoveries, based not not just on younger people
0: being open minded, but based on the paradigm shift that happened in paleoanthropology over the last fifty years.
2: Yeah, no, I think um I, I think you're right, but I, I uh, you know it's got some way to go, I think this this shift before it uh, uh it really allows um uh, the views of people my, like myself being fully taken advantage of by by natural scientists if i uh, i am hoping things will con- continue to get better as uh, as time goes by so that you know where like I don't know whereas um uh, 30 40 years ago perhaps um you uh, you know uh, somebody uh, 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 zoologist or paleontologist reading my book would just say well this guy is uh, you know is a nut you know the looney Tunes uh, sort of thing um, nowadays they're saying well you know it's really very doubtful that uh, um, you know the environment on on flores would would uh, support uh, you know uh, another uh, another species of uh, uh, of, of hominy. And in fact, that's a kind of a kind interpretation of something that was uh, said by, um, what's his name, uh, Hawkes, John Hawkes, um, in an online piece I read uh, I read yesterday. So the um, disapproval well, is growing milder, I, I guess is, uh, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> By and
0: large, I mean, I know your book is yet to be published officially. I mean, and there's a couple of copies floating around. Um, but um, what was, um, looking back to your first book, or the first book that uh, I, I was aware of, I know you've published quite a bit, um, but Images of the Wild Men in Southeast Asia, what was the academic response to that book when it was published?
2: Oh, well, now you've <laughs> opened a bit of a can of worms. No, in, in a very good way. I'm glad you asked this question. Um, I published that with... Um, with, with Routledge um, or Routledge, I don't hear it uh, spoken much. Although you see the name everywhere, um, uh, Routledge, yeah. Um, they they took the book up. It was I originally had a uh, an agreement uh, with with Keegan Paul Publishers, which uh, used to be conjoined with uh, with Routledge. Huh? Um, but unfortunately, the, they by that point had become a, a rather small operation in, in London. And, uh, the, um, the, the head man, uh, can't remember his name now. Very nice man, though. Um, he, he died very suddenly. Uh, and it was Rutledge that, that took over, uh, had the option of taking over titles in, uh, that, that um, Keegan Paul had commissioned. Anyway, so yeah, it was published by Routledge. But but they, they did no. I can safely say they did no publicity that I've ever been aware of on the on the book. Um, naturally, I told a few people about it. Um, but um, it, it um, and, and like everything, it got on the internet uh, in, in some shape or, or form. It 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 wasn't promoted, so so I can't I can't compare, uh, or I can't say any I can't say anything about a general a general response to to that uh, book back in 2008 because uh, you know I, I don't think there was very much at all. Yeah, so so this is my first trade book, and it's it been quite a quite a revelation. I must. Uh, I, I I must say but uh yeah no I I uh, I, I I really don't know what what the in any, any general academic uh, response uh, was I mean I I, um, I I suspect there would be disapproval well I <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you with regard to the um my article my, my first article on the giant crabs uh on, on Flores Island uh, which was you know based on uh, well it was based on zoological literature but also uh, but mainly on on uh, my own uh, um, ethnographic uh, uh, work um, I, I sent that to crustaceana which is you know a leading uh, journal of uh, um, about uh, zoology of uh, crustaceans uh, Carcinology, I guess it's called um, and and they um, they sent it out for review. They didn't. Uh, they didn't just send it back. And say, well, we don't publish this sort of nonsense. Um, but they did send it out for review, and I got I got one review back, which um, uh, really was quite quite extreme. I mean, uh, first of all, he said, you know, this is not this is not relevant to a scientific journal. Uh, if 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 the, this man wants to. Uh, um, if this man wants to uh, show that that uh, burgo uh, um exist on uh, uh, on Flores, then you know he needs to uh, go and catch one, basically, um, and, and, and and he needs to be a, a field zoologist, which which uh, which I wasn't. So that you know all these reports, descriptions, of what have you from local people was just dismissed as. Um, Well, the best term, of course, is anecdotal.
0: Yes, the kindest way you could put it, I think.
2: As somebody pointed out, of course, uh, the plural of anecdote is is data. If you get enough people (laughs) (laughs) uh, saying relevant uh, things, you've you've got to explain that information somehow. Where where is this coming from? The easiest uh, explanation usually, uh, is that to the people talking to you have actually seen something that looks like what they've described. The Sasquatch
0: thing, you know, I mean, I read in your article that you, you're basing um, your, your hypothesis that these things are, might still be live based on something like 30 witnesses that you've spoken to personally. Um, well, I mean, I own a Bigfoot museum in the Pacific Northwest. I very reasonably, in, during, the, during the run of tourist season or whatever, I might get 30 witnesses a month in my museum that I personally speak to that I have no reason to doubt. Um, it's so interesting that uh, um, in, in some ways about the, you know, like you said, the, the I love the plural of anecdote is, is data, you know, and, and the easiest way to explain it is that there's a biological animal, but the laziest way to explain it is that, oh, these people are just all wrong.
2: Yeah, they're 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 um, you know mentally mentally deranged, or, or you know they saw a bear or uh, what have you. I I, I agree. I just uh, I just want to say though that that my case in regard to Flores and the Leo is is uh, is grounded in um, uh, quite a, a thorough understanding and 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 uh, analysis of of their their culture, which is is quite different from North American. Uh, uh, North American culture, um, I mean, for example, if you were able to uh, find a catch a Sasquatch, or, or uh, indeed film it, um, like Roger Patterson and, and the other guy did years ago, uh, so they claimed, um, you would become quite famous and, and <laughs> possibly something financially in it as well for you. Uh, in in North America, whereas that doesn't apply to anyone who uh, you know comes across uh, uh, an ape man, uh, um, you know, up in uh, up in the highlands of uh, uh, of Flores, and any Leo person who uh, who does that uh, for reasons I explain. For one thing, they they may not uh, they may not tell anybody about it. They may not want to talk about it. Um, and if they did, um, well, I, I, I spent a lot of, uh, uh um, I, I place a lot of, uh, I put a lot of attention, as you say, in, in the final chapter to asking, uh, well, why, you know, okay, if, if people are finding dead bodies, for example, uh, why hasn't this, uh, why hasn't this got out, got outside of flores at least, and, and, you know, uh, to, uh, to 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 uh, the ears uh, and eyes of academic um, scientists and and um i, I, I will not go into the details but but i show that it would be very unlikely to 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 leave the island or or really to to be accepted as a credible report by uh very many other people than the that the person who who came across the uh, across the thing I, one of the um uh, one of the cases uh uh, of somebody who did find uh, um a body uh that was about uh i guess 11 years ago um now um he got rid of it straight away um now why did he do that uh <laughs> i do actually give some explanation for that no he, he I, this was a thing that, that that you know shouldn't it was found he found it on on his land it shouldn't be on his land or, or you know uh Uh, anywhere near to humans, uh, such a a thing that needs to be. He wouldn't even bury it because there is a notion that uh, uh, Lai will uh, um, uh, disinter um, their their relatives that have been buried by somebody else, by by, uh, humans. So, So he took it a long way away. Uh, and dumped it in the sea is what uh, in a container, that's, that's what he told me um that may seem suspect but again if, if you put it in uh, uh in the context of, of you know local views of the world and what's in it and uh how you should relate to the things that are in it all that kind of stuff that then it, it, it makes more sense than than
0: burying it Oh, sure. We, we'd run across similar things with Sasquatches and um, people not sharing their encounters or not wanting people to know that they had seen them um, because in a lot of these rural areas, uh, sometimes their their reputation is the most valuable thing they have um, and they don't want to be thought of as a, a drunk or a hallucinator or something. So
2: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's interesting because it's, it's people are being quiet but for different cultural reasons is what I, what I wanted to suggest. If you got funding to go actually look
1: for... Uh, remnant, you know, relic hominids that are still alive. Do you have a, Do you have specific places you have, you'd put camera traps and that sort of thing?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I would. I think about that a bit, uh, and indeed, I'd have to uh, get local cooperation to uh, to determine which would be the the very best place. But I would say anywhere in in the highlands, uh, in mountainous regions of uh, of Leo Leo country. You'd have to you'd have to have academics involved. I mean, qualified academics like uh, field biologists and maybe primatologists. I suggested somebody yesterday, actually, that uh, um, in terms of cooperation, that if you could find a, a female primatologist, a kind of Jane Goodall figure, might be the the best bet for, for doing this uh, this kind of research. Which uh, which brings about the idea of just
0: discovery in general. Usually, obviously, a holotype is needed—a dead one to describe in a journal, et cetera. Um, do you think that would be the most promising avenue forward in trying to prove the Leioa?
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I think that that almost goes without saying. Um it doesn't have to be a dead one; it could be alive still, which would be uh, um, extraordinary. But yeah, you have to have a physical. Uh, Specimen, or, or at least uh, um, the, the you know a good good part of, of a physical uh, body. I guess uh, the single most uh, diagnostic part would be the the teeth. But if you, you found one dead or alive and chopped its head off, the, the head would be a pretty good uh, um, substitute for the whole uh, for the whole body. Um, uh, you know, it's. you think of, of uh, Sasquatch. Uh, um, the hair has been discovered, which hasn't been uh, linked with any, you know, other kind of uh, um, existing uh, existing creature. Quite a lot of uh, hair samples, I think, have been found. You know, not to be um, primate or, or uh, Bigfoot or uh, what have you. But my understanding is that there's somewhere. Um, uh you know uh, it, it, it's uh, it, it's it's uh, ambiguous as to what what uh what what this uh where where this hair came from um so uh, and of course I mean the problem is we don't actually have a sample of sasquatch hair to uh, uh to compare with um, you know things uh, later found uh, Pretty, pretty obviously. Um, so, I, I mean, there are. I, I'll tell you. I was asked yesterday whether you know people found bones of the ape man, and I, uh, I must have been having a bad day because I, I think I, I said basically no. But, but there are. Um, maybe taking the question too literally, but uh, I mean, there are uh, bones and teeth and so on which uh, people claim to possess as relics of uh, of ape man. Um, th- th- these have, uh, uh, magical powers, you know, according to local theory of, of magic. Uh,
0: so these would be like the, the holy relics, like the, the Yeti hand and the Yeti scalp held in the Peng Boche Monastery. Yeah. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't be lent to outsiders for some sort of analysis to prove the species.
2: Right. This, this would be uh, difficult, I mean, I wasn't even allowed to see some, um, I was allowed to photograph a couple of things, which clearly weren't. Um, primate. Uh, most of what I saw, you know, looked like it had come from. Oh, was a skull that looked like a puppy dog's, and, and on and on. Um, but there are a few bits and pieces of bone which could could be anything for me um, uh, in in the setting. Uh, um, you know, I, I couldn't. I certainly couldn't identify them, but. Uh, you know so that's perhaps another end um, another uh, avenue but um, no it it'd be a tough job to get you know much cooperation on this and uh, you know by the same token you you've got um, a bit of fakery going on uh, not always but uh, you know in some instances uh, it's like in any uh, in any scientific endeavor you know you're not going to uh, Uh, hit the bullseye every time you're going to make a few mistakes and uh you know follow false leads and and all the rest of it so that's to be uh that's to be expected
0: are are you getting a lot of positive press on your uh your
2: upcoming book here pretty positive yeah i know i mean i've had as in uh, i think the article you you mentioned um there has been uh, criticism from uh, um uh, named or unnamed uh, um anthropologists paleoanthropologists um like like i, I think mentioned uh, john Hawkes. but uh um that that's fine i'm i'm not uh, in fact i could <laughs> counter what he said if i'd been given the chance but um I, that that that's that's great you know uh, I, i'm not not i'm not worried by by criticism coming from you know one direction or the uh or the other. Much too old to worry about those kinds of things. <laughs> well, I'll tell you,
0: the, the, the knowing that this book is coming down, it's like hearing a voice crying in the wilderness because uh, there's – there's so little good academic work coming out. And, you know, there is the work by Dr. Meldrum or Dr. Nagel or a variety of other people. But but to have a, a new book on an on a what what's gonna end up being um, a largely unheard of before now relic hominoid. You know the Lehoa, it, it, I mean, that's not doesn't it, that's not a household name by any by any means. Um, but but with the idea of these uh, these hominoid species persisting until until close to if not the present day, we should expect uh, a smattering of these, frankly, from all over the world in in, in some regard. You know, whether it's here or um, uh, um, um, Gareth Patterson's work in South Africa or the Sasquatch thing in America or whatever. So.
2: No, I am I, uh, just recently, actually, uh, you know, being uh, asked. Um, I, I will thank you right away for, for your very informed questions. Uh, to know the difference between a hominin and a hominid is, uh, and a hominoid as well, is is uh, is pretty novel, uh, or at least it has been recently. But we're uh, nerds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so the vague thoughts come to mind uh, these last uh, several days, a couple of weeks since this thing broke, and I, I, and that is, uh, you know, well, maybe this idea of mystery hominoids. Let's just use that term. Um, you know, a lot of people really have never heard of of this stuff. They might have heard of Bigfoot, but have a very vague idea what it is, or or the Yeti, but that, that but as far as uh, as it would. Uh, as it would go, um, so yeah, newness is uh, is often a, a good uh, um, a good thing to have on your side.
0: Well, and so we're a couple very well informed and respected PhDs. So thank you for sticking your neck out because <laughs> whether you realize it or not, you're doing it for a large community of people.
2: Well, yeah, and and, and uh, I um, just uh, my final point. I, I'm glad that the news is getting to those people because, like with the. Um, the Wild Man book, um, I, you know, very few people knew about it, and, and if they did, they just they'd come across it by accident somehow. Uh, I mean, there may be, for all I know, um, you know, tens of thousands of of zero, uh, um, no, not not zeros, but uh, photocopied uh, copies uh, going around because the sales certainly haven't been particularly good.
0: Uh, well, I, it is one of, uh, in my opinion, the best books written on the idea of relic hominoids and what that could possibly mean, this general survey. Because you do go outside of Asia in your survey. You do talk about the Sasquatch to a small degree. and
2: No, well, I, I go uh, all over the place, and it's certainly outside of uh, Flores in eastern Indonesia. So, um,
0: By far the, one of the best academic books written on the subject there is. In fact, I literally took this to Sumatra when I went there.
2: And, and I hope it was useful. But, um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I think, um, I think you'll like the new one, um, just as much or, or indeed even, even better.
0: Fantastic. Cannot wait to get my hands on it. And for our listeners, the book comes out, um, it's, the uh, publication date is going to be May 3rd, um, which is just in a week from when we're recording this right now, pretty much. Yeah, it's called Between Ape and Human, An Anthropologist on the Trail of a Hidden Hominoid by Dr. Gregory Forth. Um, I cannot recommend. You You need to read this book. I have not read it, uh, of course, but I have read his first book literally a half dozen or a dozen times. I, and This book is going to be more accessible, about a different kind of hominoid. I cannot recommend this book enough, even though I haven't even read it yet. As ironic as that is,
2: (laughs) I think that's the inverse of saying you disagree with this book, even though you haven't read it. Uh, That's what (laughs) they say in the context of banned books. (laughs) Have you Have you ever read it? Of course not. (laughs) I won't keep you, but um, uh, thanks uh, to both of you for your your questions and your uh, your interest. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you for your interest and your time.
2: Yeah, take care. All right, Cliff. Well, man, that was awesome. We had
1: him on, and he stayed about twice as long as he said he was gonna.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I hope that you know. I hope he liked the questions. I hope we gave him enough to talk about it. I cannot wait to read this book, man. I'm so excited.
1: Yeah, because that Wild Man book in Southeast Asia—that is—that
0: you can make a case for that being the best book written on that. You know that topic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The the only criticism I've heard of that book is that it was too academic. And that's not a problem for me, man. I I mean, I I think more science and more scientists needs to be applied to uh, this idea of relict hominoids.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was able to read it all right. It's
0: not that technical. I thought it was just super interesting. Oh, it is, it is, and you know, I was I was surfing around the uh, online maybe last week or something, and I found copies I think directly from the publisher for like fifty bucks. Um, but yeah, fifty bucks is a more than fair price, and it's about as cheap as you're going to find this thing because it is a textbook essentially. Um, get the book. Get images of the wild man in Southeast Asia by Gregory Forth. It is fantastic, and this new book I'd only heard of the the Lea Hoa from his first book. So I, so I, I assumed that this book, this new book coming out next week, was going to be about the Abagogo, more, just like the Images book was. But no, I was so surprised to hear that it's about a different hominoid. Yeah, that was that was pretty shocking. All right. Well, anyway, Bobes, you want to take us out?
1: Yeah, all right, folks. Thanks for listening. Hope you learned something. I'm sure you did, because we did. And uh, hit like, hit share, let your uh, friends and neighbors hear this. And until next week, you all keep it squatchy.